With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Hi there and good evening. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Some of you guys know me as your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and others know me as Rich Valdez right here from the Jimbo Hannon Show. Our telephone number, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626, and it is election night, election night live. We're one of the very few live syndicated programs as results continue to come in. We're going to bring you all of the updates. I did want to start with something that I that caught my eye, and it is a article, uh, a satirical article in the Babylon Bee. Here's the headline. Top reasons people are still voting for Democrats. Number one, they're dead. It's hard to object to candidates like Joe Biden when you're no longer alive. Number two, they're drag queens worried about losing their God-given right to dance in underwear in front of your kids. It's in the Constitution. Number three, because Bono said that's what good people do. Listening to you two was their first mistake. <laughs> that's funny. I like you two. Number four, still holding out for one of those free Obama phones. Perhaps an iPhone 6. Nice. Number five, to convince others that they aren't Christian nationalists. <laughs> <laughs> and they're one of the good Christians. Number six, they live in Chicago and a stray bullet punched right through the D side of their ballot. This happens far too often. Number seven, their COVID booster made them do it. One of the uh, signals that got sent out and they had no choice otherwise. Number eight, they think these elections are like golf and the lowest score wins. Number nine, their mail-in ballot was already filled out in permanent marker. <laughs> That's funny. And number 10, government spending and taxes make them feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Now, I did want to start with a little humor because obviously that is, um, you know, uh, something I always like to do, but a lot of serious stuff. It's the beginning of what some are saying is a red wave. Others are saying is, um, you know, just a, a regular referendum on the White House. But it seems that Republicans seem to be doing pretty well. Brian Kemp has won re-election in Georgia in the Georgia's governor's race, uh, defeating Stacey Abrams again. I don't know if she's going to concede to it this time. She still has not conceded from the last one, so I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Uh, governor Ron DeSantis has won re-election, flipping the deep blue Miami-Dade County. That's also now turned red. Sarah Huckabee Sanders wins the Arkansas governor's race, and she's going to be the first female governor in Arkansas, which is like pretty cool, I guess. Um, the New York Times has released a guide on how to cope with election results. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Anna Paulina Rubio, she wins Florida's 13th congressional district race. That was the seat vacated by Charlie Crist, who was a Republican governor. 
became a Democrat, became a congressman, vacated that seat in Congress to run for governor to get beat by DeSantis tonight. So now he's no longer a congressman. He's no longer a governor. And Anna Paulina Rubio, who ran against him before and lost, she won this time, flipping that seat uh, red as well. And there's a couple of other races like Tim Scott's race, uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's race, and Senator Rand Paul's race, which have all been called. And you've probably heard that already. So that's just some of what is uh, going on. But there's some audio that I want to get to because I think it's uh, it's appropriate, uh, in my opinion, to, um, to, to reflect on what some of our friends in, I was going to say La La Land, but in MSNBC land have uh, to say when it comes to results for Ron DeSantis coming out of Florida, because Florida seems to be really turning red. It was a purple state when DeSantis took it, and uh, it seems to have gone very red. So I want you to hear, this is Steve Kornacki doing election analysis on Rachel Maddow's show earlier, and as he's going through the results, you can hear, you can just feel how palpable it is in the room as they, (gasps) no way, he didn't flip Miami. Listen to this. We just got, I'm told we just got Miami Dade. This is a big one in Florida. Let's take a look at, okay. This, we got the, yeah. So let's put this in some perspective. Miami Dade County has two and three quarter million people. In 2016, this was a Democratic county by 30 points. Hillary Clinton won this county by 30 points. Miami Dade is 70% Hispanic. It began shifting to to the Republicans in 2020. Donald Trump only lost it by seven. And look at this, in the mail-in and early vote, which again tends to be more Democratic friendly, Marco Rubio, the Republican, is outright leading in Miami-Dade County by seven points over Val Demings, a Democratic challenger. So there you go. Uh, it was they were quite taken aback, and it was just interesting to watch. I will tweet that out so that you guys could see it. And with that being said, obviously the. Um, Governor of Florida has um, made an announcement. Marco Rubio has also made some announcements. And I want you to hear uh, this next cut. Listen to this. We chose facts over fear. We chose education over indoctrination. We chose law and order over rioting and disorder. Florida was a refuge of sanity when the world went mad. We stood as a citadel of freedom for people across this country and indeed across the world. And uh, Governor DeSantis went on, listen to this. We faced attacks. We took the hits. We weathered the storms, but we stood our ground We did not back down. We had the conviction to guide us, and we had the courage to lead. We made promises. We made promises to the people of Florida, and we have delivered on those promises. And so today, after four years, The people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. All right, so that's uh, Governor DeSantis. doing his victory lap right now as we speak we've got president uh, former president donald trump 
uh, giving a speech congratulating the uh, winners at his uh, election party at Mar-a-Lago. And um, if we get any audio on that, we'll tap into that shortly. We're also uh, working on getting audio for the New York governor's race, which is still yet to be called. And if it does, we will um, go live to that as well to hear um, Lee Zeldin or Kathy Hochul. Uh, I think Lee Zeldin is, is well positioned, as we heard from John McLaughlin, the pollster that works for him yesterday uh, to win. And it, it seems like that was the hot button issue. And from the, the look of a lot of races that we've seen throughout the evening, it seems to me that uh, Republicans seem to be faring pretty well tonight. Um, let me see. What else did I want to say? Oh, we're also going to have a couple of guests chiming in, a couple of experts on this stuff. Kerry Pickett, the congressional reporter from The Washington Times, she's uh, on site at the Lee Zeldin watch party, and uh, she's reporting fr- live from there. We're going to check in with her momentarily uh, for a little bit. Plus, we've got Professor Nick Giordano. He's out of New York, and he's going to be joining us as well to give us uh, his scoop on the elections. Uh, plus, we've got Jessica Anderson from the Heritage Foundation scheduled to be with us later on. So uh, presuming everybody makes it in tonight, we should have an action-packed show for you with a lot of analysis as uh, different races come in. Plus, we've got at 11 p.m. a uh, few things coming in now at 10 o'clock, but uh, also we have at 11 p.m. Uh, we've got California and Washington State. And in the midnight hour, we've got Alaska and Hawaii. And uh, we're just going to tap in right before we hit the break. I want you to hear a little bit from President Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Let's just take a second to soak that in. The former president holding an election night party. He's not even running in a race, but he's counting out some victories. uh, All right. Seems like Trump is uh, just uh, he's uh, taking his own victory lap, congratulating the candidates that he's endorsed. And if uh, he's still speaking when we come back from our break, we'll tap into that. If not, we're going to check right in with Kerry Pickett, who, again, is on site. And if there is a call. For Lee Zeldin winning that race, Carrie Pickett will probably have to run off the phone with us (laughs) to go ahead and file her report with the Washington Times. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen while she's on. But again, that's the beauty of doing a live show on election night and uh, one of the few live shows in this time slot, if not the only one that's syndicated. So stick with us. This is election night live. Rich Valdez here with the guys. Uh, It's the Bohannon Show, and we're coming to you right after this. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Make sure you check in with us. And uh, as I mentioned, we um, we have a lot of interesting election results going on. We're going to continue to go to those as as they come in. We have uh, some that we're waiting for in the next hour, some that are trickling in as we speak, and then some in the midnight hour, like Alaska and Hawaii. And we're on live till 1 a.m. Eastern, so you're going to get all of those. But right now, I want to go to Kerry Pickett from the Washington Times. Hey, Kerry. Hey, Rich. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. I'm literally at the edge of my seat. This is like, you know, I'm a political geek, so this is my Super Bowl. You know, I'm having such a ball tonight. How about you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, lots of things happening. Yeah, uh, we shall see how uh, the uh, results of the uh, elections are uh, tonight, and I'm sure in the days to come as well. But until then, I would imagine that at least the House Republicans who are expected to uh, take the House, as uh, they have been for the last several months now, um, and we'll see uh, how that turns out tonight. But in the meantime, they are 
setting up a number of uh, investigations to uh, check out what is happening in the administration. Yeah, well, this is, this is obviously a big deal because once that happens, that's the uh, obvious next step, I think, where they're going to you know, start their political agenda. Uh, but l- let's talk about a little bit before, before we get to that, if you don't mind, going into a little bit of um, you know, what your take is on, on what's coming in so far. So I, I think there wasn't a surprise in, in the gubernatorial in Florida or in Marco Rubio, although I think some people said that they weren't, you know, they thought it was going to be very competitive. I think Rubio won by, I don't know, eight or ten points. Um, did you think that kind of spread was, was going to be the case? Um, I thought it would be a little uh, smaller, to be, to be perfectly honest, but 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 uh, just slightly. But then again, um, I I also think that with DeSantis in the executive mansion, uh, it also is not exactly surprising at the same time. So you had a lot of you had a lot of Republicans, a lot of independents come out for uh, to, to to the polls. You know, many of them would just end up uh, voting down ballot Republican. A lot of new voters coming in uh, who are voting Republican. Uh, Miami Dade uh, is is uh, turning bright red as well. So that was a big, uh, you know, surprise to everybody. So frankly, uh, while it was like, wow, Rubio, you know, huge margin. At the same time, you know, I think a lot of people can uh, thank uh, DeSantis there for that uh, wide margin. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there, there was some coattails there for sure. Now, I'm looking, I want to move over to Pennsylvania because this has obviously been a contentious race. Um, what I'm looking at, 51% to 46% Fetterman is in the lead. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Senate race? You know, uh, I think this is going to go into some major overtime right now, especially given the uh, contentious legal batter that uh, started even before this particular election started. Uh, you had the uh, Republican lawsuit that demanded that uh, undated ballots um, or like or incorrect dated ballots uh, not be accepted, and, and the courts agreed with that. And now we have, at the very last second, you had the Fetterman campaign saying that ballots uh, could be corrected, and then you have the uh, and you have uh, basically the the courts agreeing with that at the last second. And so this is like a big mess that is likely going to have to be dealt with. And so I don't think we're going to be seeing a result perhaps for a while. All right. Now, some of the other tight races, what are some of the races that you've been keeping your eye on? Well, uh, along with the New York governor's race, I'm also keeping a a tabs on a house race, which uh, has to do with um, the uh, DCCC. Chair Sean Patrick Maloney. Oh yeah, out of New York. Uh, up against, uh, yes, yes. Uh, he, he's going up against Mike Lawler. That could be, uh, you know, called any moment now. Um, and uh, that will be a very interesting situation because if uh, Sean Patrick Maloney uh, ends up uh, losing that race, he'll be the first uh, campaign chairman in 40 years to have lost his seat. The last time it happened was in, I, I think it was like 1980-ish. Um, it was a California uh, congressman who uh, lost his seat. That was a DCCC chairman. Um, later on, it was a Republican uh, who uh, lost his seat in the uh, primary. So that would be uh, pretty historic, given how long it's 
been since that happened, but we don't know yet. So we'll see. All right. Now tell me, um, uh, and I agree with you. I think um, I, I spoke very briefly with him about a week ago, Assemblyman Lawler. He happens to be um, uh, running to represent my good colleague, uh, our friend, um, Samantha. That's the district he lives in, in Westchester, New York. And uh, so he, he's been a, a big advocate of his. And uh, I spoke with him and he sounded really upbeat. Um, he, he seemed well well positioned and poised, ready to, to take whatever came his way. So I'm, I'm hoping that we get something good. So you're you're working out of New York tonight, or are you in D.C.? I, I am working out of New York. I am at the uh, watch party for uh, Governor, or not, not Governor, uh, Congressman Zeldin. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. He needs at least 30% of New York City in order to even make it possible for him to uh, win this race. Um and uh, then get some pretty decent margins in other counties like Westchester, Rockland County, um, and other and other uh, counties for the rest of uh, New York in order for him to, to pull this off. Um, if he does it, it will be you know quite historic considering the last uh, Republican uh, governor that New York's had was Georgie Pataki in mm-hmm. uh, 2006. And when he ran, uh, you know that was back in 1994, and he just barely made it over the finish line by like 3%. But of course, you know, it was a very different time. So, you know, we'll see if uh, Lee Zeldin, you know, congressman from Long Island can possibly uh, make it. Yeah, come across that finish line. Now, right now I'm looking at, let's see here, I think there's only uh, a third of the votes in, 33% have been reported, and uh, Hochul is in the lead uh, with, a, with a million votes to 800,000 votes uh, for Zeldin. So we're keeping our eye on that. Now, let's talk about, since you're in New York, let's yeah, talk yeah. about this. Uh, Joe Pinion, what what are you are you looking at that race? Do you have any uh, feedback on that? Well, yeah, I mean he, you know, that race was called, um, and uh, you know, and and that was uh, and that was pretty much expected that Chuck Schumer was going to be uh, reelected as uh, as in his position as a senator. But you know, one of the things here that people may have wanted to think about was. Uh, you know, trying to elevate uh, Mr. Pinion a little bit more if they were going to uh, try and uh, get get uh, re- Republicans, uh, you know, elevated through the uh, governor's race as well, because they're also maybe looking at um, Mike Henry, who's also running for attorney general as well. They may have wanted to look at the ticket as a whole, as opposed to just simply Mr. Zeldin. And that may have been a better uh, strategy, but, you know, that's uh, sort of Monday morning quarterbacking today. Yeah, I understood. And, and um, my thinking on this was, and if, I don't know if you got the same sense, but uh, for, in my opinion, it seemed like Joe, uh, Joe Pinion really brought probably one of the most spirited and energetic campaigns against, uh, you know, the Senate majority leader, <laughs> uh, a very well-seasoned, uh, you know, four-decade politician. And uh, it was just encouraging to see that, that there was there was that much of uh, – of a groundswell, I think, in in support of an underdog campaign. Yeah, he did a very, uh, you know, interesting debate, very tough debate towards uh, Mr. Schumer, and it was actually very fun to watch. Lots of, yeah. lots of tough challenges they never got before. Kerry, stick with us for a couple of more minutes right after this break. I just want to pick your brain a little bit more. Rich Valdez here on The Bohannon Show. Stick with us.
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media. Our guest is Kerry Pickett from the Washington Times uh, at Kerry Pickett on social media. Now, Kerry Pickett, uh, I think some of the talk locally in the D.C. area has been the race between Abigail Spanberger and Yesley Vega. This is an incredibly tight race with 99 percent of precincts reporting and about 10,000 votes difference with Spamberger leading by just a little bit more than 1% or just under 2%, I should say. Um, what's your take on that race? Well, look, uh, Spamberger definitely has, uh, you know, she uh, came into uh, D.C. with you know, in, in 2018 in the uh, blue wave, was uh, reelected, and now she's up against Jesse Vega, uh, this is something, but you know, both of them have a uh, law enforcement type of background. Both of them were going up against each other, saying who loves cops more. <laughs> and right. now, uh, oh, but Yesley Vega is again, a cop, or was a cop, right? Yeah, exactly. But you see, uh, Spanberger uh, went after her because she's also like Yesley Vega also served on the Prince William County. Um, board of advisors, and uh, basically, uh, Spanberg went after her with the whole, well, you defunded the police <laughs> through mm-hmm. all these little budget sort of tricks, et cetera, et cetera. And then Yessi Vega went after her for the whole issue of defunding the uh, police as well. It's a, it was a big back and forth. But um, now, you know, we uh, are, are once again likely to go into overtime as far as um, these these uh, ballots because of how close the race is. This is just like 2018 with this particular district, even though it was redistricted, but still um, I am not surprised that we are going to be uh, going into overtime yet again. All right. Well, um, Carrie Pickett, I want to thank you for being with us. I know you've got to get back to your duties and file your report on the Zeldin uh, campaign. Wish Lee uh, my best. And uh, if there's any breaking news, you make sure you keep in touch with us. All right. You too. Take care. All right. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Now, uh, we're working on getting uh, one of the candidates that just flipped a seat red in Florida, Anna Paulina Rubio, um, on the line so that we can congratulate her and get her take on the um, election. And we'll do that in real time as it's possible. But 
I also want to talk about some of the the uh, other outstanding races uh, because this this extremely tight race that we just talked about was just that extremely tight. And the let me see what's the other number. The other number of let's see. Bear with me, folks. This gets a little tricky sometimes when you're looking at a million different screens. Quick fun fact I just want to share with you. Val Demings, her first name is Valdez. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> but yes, former Orlando police chief who lost tonight is is um, the... Excuse me, sorry, I'm losing my, my place here. Former police chief Valdez Demings. That was what I was trying to uh, get out. All right, anyway, let us continue. Matt Gates has uh, secured re-election, as has Kat Kamek. So Florida's done really well uh, securing four new Republican seats. Very good news. Now, there's a clip of audio that I want you to hear before we uh, take a quick pause. And it is from correspondent Sagar Magani. Now, she's telling us about some of the races that have already been decided. And uh, are we ready to play that one? So there you go. You've got... Uh, those are some of the races that have been decided. Now, we're going to work on getting some of the, uh, like I said, we're trying to get one of the candidates that uh, just won to get an immediate reaction from her live uh, from Florida. And uh, we're going to get to your calls as well, your feedback, and the rest of the results. Plus, we've got Professor Nick Giordano coming up a little bit later and uh, Jessica Anderson from the Heritage Pack. So we're going to go straight to Anna Paulina Rubio calling from Florida live uh, we're going to discuss her election victory. Congresswoman-elect Ana Paulina Rubio, are you with us? I am. I am. Luna. Luna like the moon. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, congratulations. Uh, super proud of you. Happy to hear about this victory. What does it feel like? Uh, it's pretty incredible. You know, we were outspent 12 to 1, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Grassroots door knocking wins elections. We knocked over 50,000 doors, not paid knockers. That was me and my team of volunteers. And then also to made over 89,000 phone calls. And so being outspent $12 million to one, we won. And we won by a large margin, too. And let me just uh, uh, let the, the audience know, uh, Anna Paulina Rubio ran uh, a, a bid against this uh, former Governor Christ who became a congressman and then had a seat and then he gave up his congressional seat to run and get beat again tonight. And so now he's got no more seats. He's got no more anything. Uh, we don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat anymore, but we do know that Anna Paulina Rubio beat him and uh, was outspent, and you did a fantastic job. And and I think this is a real testament of really how hard work pays off, right? You know, banging on doors, running once, not getting it, running the second time, getting in. Today, you're Congresswoman-elect. And um, I'm curious to, th- to, to hear your take. What was the number one issue that you encountered when you were knocking on doors? What, what was people, were they saying it's abortion? Were they saying it's January 6th? Or were they saying it's the economy? Well, you know, it was absolutely the economy. While, you know, uh, Charlie Crist and Val Demings and my Democrat opponent were running ads against, you know, Governor DeSantis and Senator Rubio, and then obviously saying, you know, Ana Paulina Luna is a radical insurrectionist. I was talking about the economy. I didn't stoop to their levels. And so ultimately what we know is that the issues that are affecting people's wallets are the issues that they're going to be voting on. 
And I really think that the state of Florida is is showing the rest of the country and also signifying a shift in what's happening with American politics. You know, a lot of these Democrats are well-funded and Republicans are frankly having to really fight with one hand behind our back because we are basically censored on social media and Hollywood caters to the left, but we're winning and we're winning big. All right. And I just want to apologize. I think I called you Rubio and not Luna. So that's my mistake. I was looking at something that said Rubio flashing in front of me. Forgive me for that. Uh, Anna, (laughs) Paulina, Luna and like the moon. And uh, (laughs) the the um, I think the excitement is is uh, from what I was just seeing. uh, Trump is having a party at Mar-a-Lago. There's parties all over the place. I just talked to Kerry Pickett from The Washington Times, who's at the Zeldin headquarters. And and, uh, everybody seems really, really pumped tonight. Uh, which I think is exciting. What's the feeling on the ground where you are? Uh, People are really excited, mainly for this new incoming class of congressmen and women, mainly because I think for a long time, a lot of people felt that those in Washington, D.C., really, I think it started with President Trump, but um, that those in Washington, D.C. were kind of removed and President Trump came in. Obviously, he's a president for the people. And he showed that, you know, you didn't have to be in D.C. for 20 years to make a difference and really fight for the American people. And so that wave of populism and this incoming class is really, truly a representative class of the entire country, not just the elites in D.C. And so I know I look forward to serving with some of the newly elected or uh, newly um, elected members of Congress, Corey Mills, Aaron Bean. Um, There's a lot of good people coming from Florida. And so we're very excited. Yeah. There's also the rise of the right wing Latina. I don't know if you've heard about this. Yeah. The New York times likes to think people like us don't exist, but this is the same New York times also, mind you, that failed to call out Jill Biden after she insulted us by calling us breakfast tacos, which is completely mm-hmm. ridiculous. And, you know, didn't even call it Nancy Pelosi after she referred to us as crop pickers, which is completely derogatory and just gross. And so I'm really glad that they're seeing that, you know, the Hispanic demographic is simply not just the help, but we're business owners, we're doctors, we're lawyers, we're personalities in the news, and, and now we're representatives. Congresswoman-elect. Now, uh, I have to hit a break here. Is there any possibility that you'll have a couple more minutes to join us after this break, or do you have to go right now? Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll stick back and wait. All right, perfect. So we'll come right back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I'm on with Congresswoman-elect. Anna Paulina Luna. We are on right now between New York and Alaska and everywhere in between 300 radio stations, six and a half million listeners. You guys are getting to meet her for the first time. We're coming right back. All right, America, welcome back. We are live and national. If you want to join the conversation, 866-505-4626. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all of the social media. And our guest is Congresswoman-elect Anna Paulina Luna. Um, Congresswoman-elect, tell us um, what the future looks like for you. Um, what committees do you have your your sights set on? Well, as of right now, I actually have one of the biggest veteran demographics in the country. And so obviously veteran affairs. But, you know, I talked to a couple of people to include Representative Donald and Representative Gates. 
And I am very excited to say that I think I'll be on House Oversight. And as you know, Oversight runs the investigations. And I think mm-hmm. the American people deserve many answers, especially over this last two years of the Biden administration. So I think um, if you guys can Google who's on Oversight, you will be pleasantly surprised. And I think C-SPAN's ratings are about to go up. <laughs> That's fantastic. I can't wait. Now, uh, <laughs> I want to back things up a little bit again for those who don't know you. And we have listeners right now that are listening in the in the and the left coast and people in New York and everywhere in between. Um, you're, you're a veteran of the United States uh, military. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I actually, uh, you know, my story is a little bit different from most people that run for office. I grew up in the welfare system. By the time I had graduated from high school, I actually went to over six high schools and I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't quite know how I'd pay for it. And mm-hmm. also to just kind of given the nature of everything, it would have been rough for me to apply right away. And so I actually ended up enlisting at 19 years old, and it really was the best decision I could have ever made. It gave me the structure that I needed to excel, and then also I was able to go back and help my family. And ultimately, it was in the Air Force where I met my husband, Andy, who I've now been with for 12 years. In 2014, he was shot in Afghanistan Mm. and was awarded a Bronze Star and a Purple Heart. But it was really after he was shot that I became politically active as I started working with veteran outreach organizations and ultimately ended up um, working with an organization that dealt with counter-trafficking at the U.S.-Mexico border. So, um, you know, God always, I think, gives you trials and tribulations, but it, it will guide you in the right direction. And Andy and I today are really proud to say that we'll be representing and working with veterans in Florida's 13th Congressional District. Outstanding. Now, tell us, what's one of the first things that you want to get to the bottom of or, um, you know, when you get to this committee and, and you, your your colleagues, uh, AOC, all out crazy, as I like to call her, uh, and others <laughs> on this committee, what uh, what are some of the topics that you want to tackle? Oversight on what? Uh, number one is I want to look into ha- what happened truly with the botched withdrawal in Afghanistan. You know, I had uh, met with one of the mothers of the 13 killed in Afghanistan, her name, uh, or her son's name was Ryan Christian Knauss, and I can tell you that the way that the Biden administration handled this, the fact that, you know, General Milley was not held accountable is something that we as a country, whether you're, you know, Republican, Democrat or independent, you should ask questions because ultimately at the end of the day, you know, Congress votes and sends their men and women to war. But if you don't have good leadership, if you have leadership that's more focused on pushing a woke ideology instead of our nation's readiness and actually understanding that when our leaders make decisions that it does have real impact on these people's lives, you know, um, that is something that we're lacking in Congress. Less than one in five members have served in our nation's military, and that's something that I look forward to getting to the bottom of. Oh, amen to that. And, you know, what I think is really cool is that you're right about those statistics. But I think this incoming this new freshman class that's being elected this evening, uh, there's a lot of of uh, veterans that ran and several that won. And and that's encouraging to see, because I think it, it you, you need that type of representation, especially when, you know, you have a civilian commander in chief. You need somebody that's going to come out and tell the truth. A hundred percent. And, you know, veterans. As a whole, the one thing that we learn is, you know, mission first. And so we understand what it's like to work together to accomplish the mission. Obviously, in this case, it's 
you know, ensuring that the United States remains a number one superpower, but also two, that our nation and our people come first and foremost. And so what we're seeing right now with this ideology that's really impacting culturally um, the youth of our nation, what we're seeing from China, especially with this increasing threat and then, you know, from a military perspective, trying to dominate us by 2027. These are all things that we look at through a different lens and perspective. And so I look forward and really operating with the RNC, but also to, I think, after the 14th, hopefully President Trump in an effort to really help bring the United States back on track to combat China. Well, that's music to my ears because I think China's always on the move. They're an active threat. They're always in alliance with absolutely the the worst um, enemies that we have. They are one of the worst, and and they're always with the worst. You know, they're they're no stranger to being friendly with with Russia. And uh, every now and again, their fingerprints are on things with Iran. So I think that's a outstanding idea. Now, every time I talk to anybody, it's talk radio. People call and they're like, "Oh, this," and they complain. And that's what I love about talk radio. But people say, "Well, if we wrote for the Republicans." You know, what's going to happen once they have power? And I said, well, look, I'm not a congressman. I can't tell you that. But we've got Congresswoman-elect Anna Paulina Luna on the line. And uh, what do you say to the critics that say, are you going to impeach Biden? What's your response to that? You know, right now, uh, the RNC just rolled out the um, commitment to America. And I can tell you is right now I'm focusing on getting through the next couple of weeks here, going to Congress school. But I think with what happened with the Biden administration, you know, a lot of people say, well, if we impeach now, maybe that ultimately what will happen is um, it'll get rid of uh, the weight behind an impeachment. But I think that what Biden has done, um, especially with some of his dealings with Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's laptop, I think that there is possibly grounds for impeachment. So I'd have to obviously talk with my colleagues, but, you know, I'm not going to rule that out. Yeah, well, a good response and a a measured and and fair one, in my opinion. I uh, I think um, your constituents in your district is is lucky to have you and Americans as a whole. We need people like you in Congress. So Godspeed to you and congratulations again. Thank you very much. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, just before you go, let everybody know how they can donate to your campaign because we're already working on re-election, aren't we? Absolutely. We need to reload those coffers. So please head over to www.votesapl.com. That's alphapapalima.com. And any donation counts, 10, 20, it all funds goes to the same thing. I'm not Ilhan Omar. I don't pay my husband. So we're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, America. That is Anna Paulina Luna, Congresswoman-elect. Again, congratulations and God bless. Thank you. All right, America, straight ahead, uh, we're going to wrap up with some of our election analysis and then move on to other analysis with Professor Nick Giordano. That's coming straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So uh, we're bringing you the latest results, the biggest newsmakers. We're doing what we can to give you everything as these uh, results come in. Now, as we speak, I am clicking on a link to refresh what I was just sent here. We got Spanberger. Do you guys just tell me if the Spanberger was called yet? For Spanberger? Oh, that's disappointing. But an excellent campaign by Yesley Vega. It uh, looks like Abigail Scan- Spanberger. I was going to call her Scamberger. That's pretty funny, though. Uh, Spanberger was uh, reelected by a very slim margin. Let me see if we could find that number, if I could get it to you quickly before this is over. 
these links take a little longer than I expect them to sometimes. All right, let's see midterm results. Abigail Spanberger defeats Yesley Vega in a tight Virginia House race. And I'm trying to find the, the spread here. But lots of money spent here. Look at this. Spanberger outspent Vega during the election, raising $7.7 million and spending $7.4 million for a house seat. Just so you know, two years ago, three years ago, the average cost for a house seat race was $250,000, a million in these really competitive districts. And now we're looking at, at a Virginia, suburban Virginia, $7.7 million to Vega, who spent $2.4 million. And I tell you, politics is very expensive, and the Democrats seem desperate, but they, they got it. They won that one. All right, we're coming back. It's Rich Valdez, Professor Nick Giordano, coming straight ahead. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't, like, in a company. And I don't know, like, how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah. And like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said I'm like, yeah, it's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there and good evening. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. And some of you guys um, know me right here from the Jim Bohannon Show. Welcome to the program, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. And let's see, there's a couple of headlines I want to give you. Uh, J.D. Vance has won the Ohio Senate race. Brian Kemp won re-election in Georgia, defeating Stacey Abrams yet again. Not sure if she's going to concede this time, but... Uh, I'm hoping that she will. Uh, the same way she said that there was uh, voter suppression going on, and it turns out that there were more African Americans that voted in early voting than they that had ever voted before. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, let's see, Governor DeSantis won re-election as well, flipping the deep blue county of Miami-Dade, turning it red. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, we have some audio on that. We'll play that shortly. Uh, she won uh, the governorship in Arkansas, and she'll be the state's first female governor. Meanwhile, the uh, New York Times has released a guide on how to cope with election results. <laughs> so we might get to that in the uh, midnight hour. And Congresswoman-elect Anna Paulina Luna won Florida's 13th congressional district race. That was the seat held by former governor and then turned congressman Charlie Crist, who was uh, defeated handily by Ron DeSantis tonight. And that's who we just spoke with in the last segment. 
Now, straight ahead, we're going to speak with uh, our friend Nick Giordano. Now, Nicholas Giordano is a professor of political science at Suffolk County Community College in New York, uh, where he's a tenured professor, and he uh, has a background in homeland security, working in emergency management, and he's also the host of the PAS Report, which is a great program that I've been on, and I really enjoy the conversation when I am on, and I want to welcome him to the program. Nick, welcome, sir. Rich, thank you for having me. Congratulations on the new show. Well deserved. Thank you, sir. Awesome to hear you, and congratulations to you. Uh, you're you're a television superstar now, not just a professor extraordinaire. And I'm glad you're here with us for the election night live extravaganza, because I always value what you have to say. And I'm looking at the results. Forty nine percent reporting Hochul is leading uh, by about about well, more than more than 10. She's at 58% to 41% for Zeldin. Uh, so we're trying to keep our finger on the pulse of that race. How do you feel on the ground in New York? Well, I, that's a race I've been following all night because there are some interesting signs. If you look at, I go county by county. That's what political sure. signs do. We're talk, we get right into the weeds of things. And so when you look county by county, he's actually overperforming in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx and Queens compared to where Sliwa was in 2021. And mm -hmm. he's overperforming throughout the state in a lot of areas compared to where Trump was in 2020. So this is certainly going to be a very close race. And if the trend continues, if let's just say a lot of the results that we got earlier were the mail-in ballots and the early voting, and now they're catching up with today's vote, it could turn out to be a shock to the political system. It is possible. So I'm holding tight on that one. I'm looking closely at the numbers. As of right now, I still see it as a toss-up. It's anyone's race. But if you would have looked at this race a month ago, nobody thought Zeldin had a shot. Yeah, well, I, I got to tell you, I live in this la-la land, pie in the sky, and I, I really do still think Zeldin has a shot. And I realize people are telling me, no, it's not going to happen. Listen, I, I think there's a path. And because of what you said, has Staten Island come in yet? Do you know? Van Allen hasn't fully reported, but Zeldin's winning it by 67, I believe. He's got 67% sure. of the Island has, they, they elected Giuliani. Um, they um, played a role in, in uh, electing Pataki. So I think there's, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, Republicans that come out of Staten Island. And, and as you get further upstate, you also get a lot of really red areas that could put him over the top, depending on what's in so far. So we'll keep talking about that as things go on. But let's switch gears to the um, national focus here, because there was a bunch of races tonight. Uh, the Ohio race was one that was uh, pretty um, contentious. Seems like J.D. Vance has won it. Um, what's your postmortem on that? I don't think there was any ever a real question of whether or not Vance was going to win. I know the media like like to make it that it was a close race, but but realistically, looking at the demographics and the numbers and the trends of Ohio, you had DeWine, who's governor, who easily defeated his opponent, and then you had J.D. Vance. And, and looking at the numbers, a lot of their polling was way off, and I called that he was probably going to win the seat by at least five points. Right now, he's up, last I checked, about seven points. So that was a race that I was, I was pretty confident about, that we would end up uh, keeping that seat, taking that seat. 
And I don't know why the media made it as close as it was, because all the evidence was there that it wasn't going to be that close of a race. All right. Well put. I, I didn't follow it as closely as you did, and I, I, I was very nervous because Ohio has always been one of those places where you'll have a Republican and then they'll just switch and you'll go and you'll have a Democrat and we'll come back and we'll have a rhino and we'll come back, you know, and it's just, it, it's always been tricky. So I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And I know he went hard. He was, you know, he can't. Well, it's one of those bellwether states. Exactly. And I think you got to campaign like, like you're behind all the time because otherwise you, you get, you get uh, shorthanded there. Now, another interesting race that, uh, again, Many were concerned. Um, I was not really um, plugged in on this race. I felt good about it, but I wasn't really plugged in. Was Senator Marco Rubio running against um, Representative Valdez Demings, the uh, former police chief and congressperson? And this one was um, again. I, I thought well, Rubio should be able to take it, but you know, I think maybe it was the media hype. Maybe it was you know just being cautioned. Uh, being cautious, I should say. But what what are your thoughts? Because I mean, he won really big. I think it's eleven points or or eleven points plus. Yeah, they called that race fairly quickly. And again, all the signs were there. The media, you know, they tried to make it as if it was going to be a close race. Now, not to take it, Val Demings was actually one of the better Democrat candidates on the campaign trail compared to a lot of the other Democrats. Uh, but Rubio single hand he defeated her. He defeated her big time. And I think that the biggest message of, of tonight is that Florida is no longer a purple state. It's added a purple category. It's solidly Republican. You had Rubio crush uh, Val Demings. You had DeSantis crush Christ. Even more important, he won Miami, which is something that hasn't happened in about 20 years. So think, when you look think. at it, I think the big news is that not only is Florida now considered a red state, but I also think this has actually propelled DeSantis into, obviously, the top tier for the 2024 run. Yeah, well, there was a poll that came out yesterday, and I, I hate citing polls when I don't have them in front of me, but I saw it yesterday. <laughs> so it might have been from a week ago um, and, and released early this week. But it showed Trump somewhere like 70-some-odd percent and DeSantis, I think, at 7 percent or some or like a straw poll. And... And I thought, man, this, you know, it, it doesn't seem right. But I remember the CPAC straw poll earlier this year, uh, s- similar situation. It had DeSantis at a very low number, maybe 11 percent. And uh, and Trump, again, at a very high, like high 80s. So I'm wondering is to me, it seems that the Republican Party is Trump's and it's it's Trump's to to, to you know, to to win or lose. Basically, you know, if he decides, yeah, I'm going to run, I think they're with him. If he decides I'm out of here, then, you know, they're going to go with the next guy. And then I think we would see um, DeSantis skyrocket. Um, But there's this, you know, I don't know. And here's where I think it's the media. I mean, Trump might throw a a little dig here and there, but I think the media is kind of overplaying that right now. What what are your thoughts on that um, bone of contention? Well, I think the media does what the media wants to do. It wants to create a wedge in the Republican Party, start the Republican infighting, especially when it comes to uh, former President Trump. And I also think the Democrats want it. They, they love when Republicans are attacking each other and fighting with each other. And so they're looking at it. They have Joe Biden as the president. Nobody wants him. I think the exit poll showed like 70 percent don't want him running for reelection. So that tells you a lot of where the Democrat Party is. 
And it's going to be the Republicans and who they select. The one thing I will say, and, uh, you know, tonight's an election night, so we could explore it in another episode. But the reality is I do think that Democrats will try and indict Trump after Trump makes an announcement if he decides that he's going to run for the presidency. I do think that they will. the Department of Justice will indict him, and I think it will be to create chaos in a Republican primary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, listen, I, I also believe this to be true. And you're not the first guest we've had saying this. And I hate hearing it because I don't want to be right about this. But if this is true and, and if it's true that Merrick Garland is is in line with the Department of Justice's guidelines from the um, Office of Legal, uh, uh, whatever they call it, they they don't want to handcuff Trump. They don't want to indict him. They don't want to press charges. Uh, while the midterms are going on. And they also don't like to do it to candidates because it could be viewed as political persecution. So if if that if both of those are true and the midterms are today and they're gone today and tomorrow is no longer the midterms and Trump says I'm announcing next Tuesday, that gives them seven days to indict him where they have a perfect window to say you're not a candidate and there's no election. Why leave that it window? It does, but I, I don't even I don't think the normal rules apply when it comes to Democrats and President Trump. I, I don't think the normal rules apply anymore. I think that they will indict him after he announces, and I think it's to sabotage the Republican primary. I, I don't put anything past this Department of Justice. We know that they're politically weaponized. They target political opponents. That has been clear. And so the old rules don't apply anymore as of right now. All right. Well, folks, I just want to bring you uh, a quick two things that are live. One of them being that CNN and NBC. So take that for what it's worth, are both calling uh, Brian Kemp the winner in Georgia for the Georgia's governor's race. Uh, And also, I want to remind you about something uh, from one of our one of our partners here at the program. And that's important. So, Nick, stand by. We're going to come right back to you in the next segment. And I want to do this right here. But it's super important because the economy has been one of the biggest issues that, in my opinion, that has has been at the forefront of of this campaign season. And with with the economy being the big deal, I think it, this is what was front and center for most for most voters. And it didn't matter to them where, you know, people were saying, yeah, but there's. There's um, there's abortion and there's there's uh, January 6th and there's all of this stuff. I think most people said, you know what, that that just doesn't matter to me. And and to me, it's the economy. And this is why your personal finance matters. And I want to remind you about inflation, because inflation continues to be a plague on our economy, our families and our savings and the irresponsible spending from the left continues to exacerbate the problem that we're having. So. Don't be over leveraged in the stock market and don't let your savings wither away. Hedge inflation with gold from Birch Gold Group. The way you do this, you text RICH to 989898. That's my name, R-I-C-H, 989898 in a text message and you'll receive a free info kit on gold. Now for nearly 20 years, Birch Gold has been the foremost expert in converting IRAs and 401ks into an IRA in gold. So text my name, Rich, R-I-C-H, to 989898. Do it now. 
and you'll get a free gold bar with any purchase that you make by December 22nd. But you have to claim this free offer by Black Friday. Now, don't let the left devalue your savings. Instead, own your own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold will help you set that up. And when you place an order by December 22nd, Birch Gold is going to send you a free gold bar. Don't forget that. What do you do? You text my name, Rich, R-I-C-H. Text it to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. And remember, past performance isn't a guarantee of future results. And message and data rates apply. Check them out. We're going to hit a break. We're coming right back. Nick Giordano, Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Forgive me if I sound a little distracted tonight. It's because I am. Multiple screens, information flying all over the place. We have our guest on the line, Professor Nick Giordano. He's the host of the PAS Report. Follow him at PAS Report on uh, the social media. And before we get back into our our conversation, I just want to say the Washington Examiner is uh, reporting as of 11.17 p.m. Eastern Time that Governor Kathy Hochul has been elected the first female governor of New York, defeating challenger Lee Zeldin. I'm not seeing this reported anywhere else. Uh, It hasn't been called by the Associated Press uh, or any of the other um, larger news organizations. It's just the Washington Examiner that is reporting this, and they're not citing um, why they've they've made the call. So uh, I'm just giving you that as I'm getting it. Um, Nick Giordano, what's your reaction? NBC also called it for Hoko, but it still it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Only 64 percent of voters in there's Suffolk County hasn't even been counted yet. According to The New York Times, Zeldin is down by about 500,000 votes. And you have a number of counties that haven't even reported it. So it's a little bizarre that they're calling it. And I don't know why. Maybe. The only way I could see them calling the race is if the only ballots left, the mail-in ballots, maybe early voting ballots. But if all the mail-in ballots are counted first, which usually is the case in New York, then that doesn't make any sense to call this race to me. Yeah, I, I would agree. And again, I'm, um, you know, all, all things considered, I am not a uh, down-the-middle newsman. I've never been a newsman in my life. I'm a political guy. I lean conservative, and I want to see Lee Zeldin be governor in New York. Uh, All that being said, of course, we want a fair fight. Uh, And um, I think, you know, uh, all things I've seen, it it, it has been one. Um, Let's just see, you know, if if, um, this is actually the case. And I'm guessing it's going to be the case. I can't imagine um, NBC News and the Washington Examiner making that call. Uh, But we will keep you posted on that as we move forward. So let's talk about that, though, because I think – I think Lee Zeldin ran an amazing campaign based on what, to me, were the big issues. Crime, the fact that his 16-year-old teenage daughters had a duck for cover in their bathtub when they were doing their homework in their living room because bullets were flying in front of his house and the guy's a congressman and he lives in a nice neighborhood. That's how bad crime is getting. I I mean, that, that story blows me away. And the fact that you've got President Obama, President Clinton coming to New York to campaign for Hochul, to give her the bump, to get over the the, the edge there, and and saying crime is a fabrication of the Republicans. 
What? How do you re- react to yeah. that? The whole thing's insane. I mean, you know, the reality is, and I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, the state of New York is not good right now. Crime is surging. The economy is extremely poor. People have been leaving the state in droves because the cost of living is just too much. You have the overbearing government that comes down on you for every little thing. And it, it really is astonishing to me, you know, that people keep voting the same way. I mean, in certain communities, you can't even walk out your door when people are getting shot in front of a congressman's home. It tells you everything you need to know about the condition of the state. But the Democrat machine is certainly strong here. There's no doubt about it. But people, unfortunately, have gotten into the mindset where they got to vote political party over their own self-interest. And that's what we see in a lot of elections, right? A lot of people just vote, vote straight party yeah. line rather than look into the candidates. And it doesn't matter how bad their communities are. I mean, you look they at just New York blindly City, vote. the age of New York City was Giuliani, right? Yep. Hey, and Nick, so- hold on right there. We are the, They're kicking me out. The music means you got to go. Shut it up. <laughs> Not you, me. Uh, but uh, let everybody know where they could find you quickly. They go to PASReport.com or find me on social media at PASReport. Thanks All right, that's me, Professor Nick Giordano. Got to have you back. The time goes too quickly. I'm Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. America. Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And a few things that we just discussed, I just want to reiterate, Uh, looks like uh, NBC News has called the race for Governor Kathy Hochul being the first woman elected in New York and uh, Congressman Zeldin not pulling out a victory there. If I sound somber and depressed, relish in it because I'm upset. I wanted him to win. But we do we do continue the show here, and we do have a conversation with Jessica Anderson from Heritage Action, which is the Heritage Foundation's uh, political action committee. And we're going to learn more about that and get her reaction on some of the um, the key races tonight. Jessica, welcome. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so first, let's talk about Heritage Pack. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you guys focus on. Heritage Action is a grassroots organization with activists that are part of our network from coast to coast. And we work on advancing conservative public policy, both at the state level with governors and state lawmakers, school boards, city councils, and then also at the federal level working with members of Congress and the United States Senate. And our hope is that the conservative public policy agenda of securing the border, cutting inflation, restoring American energy, uh, actually empowering parents, that all of that is ingratiated into the policies that these elected officials, whether at the state or the federal level, that they actually tackle. So that's what we do. And and that's why elections like tonight are are really so important to, to our work going forward. Yeah, to quote a former president, elections have consequences, right? <laughs> and uh, tonight That's I think right. we're seeing that. Tell, tell me, um, what, what are you really happy about uh, tonight? What, what are some of the races that uh, went in the direction that you were hoping they'd go in? Well, 
so far, what we know is a great night for conservative governors. Those governors that uh, ran and have governed on freedom, how they let the science um, dictate how they manage the COVID uh, pandemic, that they kept schools open, that they allowed businesses to remain open and to thrive. Those are the governors that brought home big wins tonight. I'm talking, of course, about Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, talking about Governor Stitt of Oklahoma, Governor Kemp of Georgia, Abbott of Texas, Nome, South Dakota, Sununu, New Hampshire, Reynolds, Iowa, and now newly elected Sarah Huckabee Sanders of Arkansas. And so, you know, that list of governors that went up, by the way, against real strongholds and certainly nationalized Democratic leaders, Charlie Crist in Florida, obviously Beta O'Rourke in Texas, Stacey Abrams <laughs> in Georgia. Basically, the left put their their what they consider their best team forward to topple some of these Republican governors on the basis of how they handled COVID, and that was flat out rejected. And so I am I am over the moon that so many Republican governors are reelected, and then you've got someone like Sarah Huckabee Sanders, now governor elect for a great state like Arkansas. Um, And I think this is just such a great testament to smart policies at the state level, winning the night with voters. Outstanding. I agree. And you brought up a bunch of races uh, that of incumbent governors. And I thought that was terrific. There's a race that still is yet to be decided. And they had some drama earlier with voting machines. And that was in Maricopa County in Arizona, the race for the um, Cary Lake versus uh, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. And I'm looking and I saw I just saw a, a quick glimpse on the screen next to me of the county by county. And it seemed like the polls that were out saying that she had an 11 point lead seems to be what the the numbers are trickling in as her being up by 11 points. What are your thoughts on that race? Uh, I don't know much about it other than what I've seen in the media reports. And um, it seems like there's a lot of enthusiasm there, but um, something tells me, you know, a little more than I do. Well, Carrie Lake has ran a fantastic race for, for governor, and I, I do think that we are, are probably at least an hour plus away from knowing that. Obviously, Arizona on the West Coast polls just closed a few hours ago, um, and they've had uh, a significant problems in the later part of the day around the, the voting tabulation machines in Maricopa County. Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, who's running for Senate, we can talk about that too. The RNC, mm-hmm. they all did the right thing. They saw the fraud. They immediately spotted it. They sued Maricopa County, um, and they sought to keep the polls open longer. So that's exactly how you need to handle fraud, right, or or the potential of fraud. You see yeah. something, say something, and take immediate action, and they did that. And I think that sort of swift activity from Carrie is indicative of how she would govern um, such an important and great state like Arizona. She would be decisive. And so I think I still think we're going to have a great night for Carrie Lake. I think um, Blake Masters has the chance to unseat uh, Mark Kelly in the Senate and the enthusiasm. I mean, I've been in Arizona multiple times throughout the year. The enthusiasm on the ground is overwhelming. Voters that are either Republican or independents, they all are so desperate for a change. Um, and so I think it's it's too early to tell. Obviously, it's almost midnight on the East Coast. Um, they're a couple hours behind us. And so we're going to have to stay up late for this one. <laughs> Yeah, I do it every night. I'm glad you're here joining me tonight. <laughs> Folks, our guest is Jessica Anderson uh, from Heritage Action. That's the uh, PAC arm of the Heritage Foundation and uh, the amazing work they're doing and uh, enjoying the analysis here on what's 
you know, yet to come down the pipe with tonight's election results. We're going to continue our conversation straight to the top of the hour. Right now, it's time for us to take a pause. Let me give you the phone number if you want to join this conversation. If you have a question for Jessica Anderson, give us a call. 866-505-4626. 866-505-4626. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Uh, We're wrapping up with Jessica Anderson from Heritage Action. And I want to play a clip of audio to get her reaction and yours as well. If you want to join the conversation, 866-505-4626. And remember, straight ahead in hour number three, the midnight hour here on the East Coast, uh, we will do the open phone America tradition on this election night extravaganza. The fun doesn't end. Now, I want you to listen to Anna Navarro from The View and from CNN and from all of these other places. Um, listen to what she had to say. To me, the early voting number is, is very dramatic and it's very encouraging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've heard some Republicans say, OK, Democrats, you've been talking about voter suppression. You've been talking about Jim Crow 2.0. It's all been an exaggeration. It's all been made up. I'd like to think that it's citizens taking their civic responsibility very seriously and saying my right to vote is not going to be messed with and that this is a backlash to efforts to make it harder to vote by mail, to vote absentee. Uh, same thing is happening in, you know, across the country. So, Jessica Anderson, what, what are your th- initial thoughts, your, your gut reaction to what you just heard Anna Navarro say? I don't understand her point really at all. She's she's not logical when it comes to understanding how voting works. What the left has done for 18 months plus, and all of the hosts on The View are guilty of doing this, is they have cried voter suppression and Jim Crow 2.0 uh, when they have commented on state election integrity laws that have passed successfully in over a dozen states. Mm-hmm. And the work of election integrity, it's not a one and done bill uh, and then everything is over. It's a constant process where you have to be vigilant um, to hold your elections accountable and ensure that people can vote. Of course, we want them to vote and that cheaters aren't able to cheat. Of course, we don't want cheaters able to cheat. You have to be able to do both things. And so, you know, I think she's referring in particular to to Georgia, which just smacked right back against all of the lies um, and frankly, the smear campaign, campaign that the left um, just just ran rampant with really the last 18 months after SB 202 was passed in Georgia, where they expected early voting to be completely decimated. Well, guess what? It wasn't because what the bill did is it made it easier for Georgians to vote and then it locked down against cheaters. And so people could then feel more confident showing up at the polls those that wanted to take advantage of early voting, they did. There were record numbers for a midterm. And tonight, I mean, we're looking at Governor Kemp defeating Stacey Abrams a second time, by the way. She hasn't actually conceded the first time. Let's see if she concedes tonight. <laughs> but right. this spread is almost going to be nine points. I mean, that is a significant rejection of she got her Democrat parties. Yeah, of what Stacey Abrams stands for. And it just shows that election integrity matters. 
Yeah, music to my ears. I, I agree. I think it's so great that we, we have these measures that are in place and they're actually working. And vo- voter turnout was better than expected and things are working. What's interesting, and let's shift gears uh, before um, we wrap because I, I just want to get your thoughts on what's going on in Pennsylvania. Right. We've got Josh Shapiro. Looks like he's been called by NBC News as the winner. Fifty four percent to forty three percent for uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mastriano, state Senate uh, guy. And um, then we've got Fetterman and Oz. And that's forty nine to forty eight. Tight, tight, tight. What's going on, Jessica? Yeah, it's a tight race. Um, I do think Pennsylvania is going to be one of those races, not unlike Arizona Senate race. That's going to be a photo finish for Republicans late into the night. Um, this is not one that we expected to know immediately. Obviously, we're super anxious to make sure that everyone counts their votes tonight, that they don't go home, that they don't fall asleep, that they finish the job. Um, but in their neighbor state to Pennsylvania, Ohio was just called for J.D. Vance, which is wonderful and so exciting to see that. Um, and so we're going to see, I think, more states start to trickle in over the next you know, two hours this evening, um, well into well into the early morning of tomorrow. That's for sure. All right. Outstanding. Now, um, in the time we have remaining, just let everybody know how they could find you and support the work that you're doing at Heritage Action. Well, follow us online, heritageaction.com. Of course, we're on Twitter and Getter and Truth Social. And um, we really make a point of providing up-to-the-date and up-to-the-minute information about what Congress, what state lawmakers are, are working on. So if you're interested in getting involved as a conservative activist, whether you want to organizing your community, whether you want to be a poll worker or poll watcher for the 2024 election, um, or you want to simply hold members of Congress accountable. There's so much good organizing that takes place at the grassroots level. We have 15 state-based regional coordinators all across the country with offices in Dallas and Atlanta and Tampa and St. Louis. Um, This team would love to help get you plugged into the larger Sentinel Nation and work on these important issues. We know that after the hard work of elections, the hard work of legislating uh, then begins, and we've got to tackle the border. We have to tackle education and giving parents more rights and control over their kids' schooling. We need to tackle inflation, energy prices. There's a really long list. Um, there, There's not just simply one thing that new leadership needs to do. There's a long list to right the ship for the country and really turn it around. We know that there's not a lot of time left. Um, to make things right in America for the next generation. And that hard work begins in earnest, really, as soon as the dust settles from tonight's election. Outstanding. All right, folks, Jessica Anderson from Heritage Action. Check them out. Follow them online. Stay uh, up to speed on what they're doing. It sounds like you guys are doing fantastic work. Keep up the good work, because without grassroots organizers and activists like you and those that work with you, uh, these types of results aren't possible. That's just the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me tonight and for talking through all of these important races. Yeah, we'll do it again. I I enjoyed the conversation and I feel it was too short. So we'll have you back soon. Wonderful. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right, folks, we're going to continue with our conversations and our trek across America. But I want to check in with Ron in Coleman, Alabama. He's been uh, on the line. Ron, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. Just uh, just watching what's going on, you know. Uh, I just uh, I like at least forty seconds to talk about the twenty twenty election, and also uh, 
my disbelief that anything is going to be pried out of the Democrats' hands uh, with these uh, with these elections out of certain states. Right. Well, right now, just I mean, just to give you a perspective, there there's 166 Republican seats as we speak that were you know from from this evening, and we need 218 for a majority. So you're saying you don't think we'll get the majority by tomorrow or the next day in in the House? Uh, no, so I don't think that the Democrats are going to do it. But they just uh, they got away with it in 2020. Uh, just for instance, his 40 seconds, uh, they they shut down the the counting uh, before it was uh, the counting was over. That's against the law. They got away with that. You got your your foreign interference, your chain of custody, and fraud, and also when they got 34 million more votes than there are registered voters. That should have been, by rights, the the citizens' rights, they should have been a recount. Yeah, well, there there were multiple recounts, Ron. And again, I'm not um, debating or arguing with you, honestly. I'm just saying, I understand that there was a number of uh, irregularities and things that should never have happened, like undated ballots being accepted in 2020, which was, you know, a week later. Right. You know, a week after the fact, they were taking ballots that had no date on them, which in any other election would have been rejected. And the same judges that said we will not hear those waited, I don't know, a year, six months. And then when the case was brought to them again, they took the case and they said, yeah, yeah, you're right. We're not going to allow this. (laughs) We're not going to take undated ballots. And they ruled on that just recently. And then the Fetterman campaign comes in and says, no, no, no. But. You've, you've got to take the, uh, you know, undated ballots. And we've got Van Jones, and I'll play that audio maybe when we come back. He says, I, I, I have to look at my phone to know what day it is. Of course we have to take undated ballots. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that this is a, a, a silly thing that's already been ruled on. But my point was, in 2020, it was overlooked and it, it circumvented things. But today, that wasn't the case. In this election today, you've got J.D. Vance that won in Ohio, Brian Kemp that won in Georgia, Ron DeSantis that won in Florida, Marco Rubio that won in Florida, Sarah Huckabee that won in Arizona, Anna Paulina Rubio who took a seat, a congressional seat in Florida that flipped it to red, a Hispanic woman, a young one. So I think uh, I look at that and I think that doesn't sound like a loss to me. You know, I don't, I, I, the, the Democrats don't have a choice but to lose because they were just beat. At least that, that's my thoughts, Ron. Thank you for your show. Oh, God bless you, my brother. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Keep the faith. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. I'm Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So we left off talking about Don Lemon, or as I like to call him, Don Limon. Now, Don Limon says, we don't even know what day it is. We've got to look at our cell phones. Listen to this. So what I'm putting on your radar screen is if the margin in the general is as close as it was in the primary, oh, man, this, this, this really could be a blank show for the next couple of days. I hope not. I'm hoping that whomever wins the Senate race doesn't win by a little because it could get ugly. 
That was the point I was making with, with Caitlin and Poppy earlier when we were talking about these uh, defective ballots. Two things. It's easy to make a mistake. I have to look at my phone to figure out what day it is sometimes. And, and look, and I, I'm on the news. So, and when you're writing things down, sometimes you just make a mistake. You may put, you know, month eight and, and it's month nine. It's just little things like that. And, and, and I said to the group here, we should, I, I feel like, Michael, we should be making it um, easier to vote for more people, and especially if we're, if we're in this new sort of mail-in ballot thing, then we should sort of figure it out instead of throwing people's ballots. Figure it out. All right. So first of all, the Michael he's talking about is Michael Smirkanish, and and the debate that they're having here is over having no date or the, the wrong date. Now, again, the wrong date is not a typo. This is a very misleading conversation. It's not like, oh, well, you know, I was dating my ballot. That doesn't work that way. Everybody knows when Election Day is. The issue is when you get, you have to mail the ballot by a certain date so that it's a, received at a certain date and postmarked, right? The postmark is, is, is not a mistake that you would make by hand. It's not a typo. So if there is no postmark on it, this is pretty simple math here. Really, let's be serious. It's very simple. It's postmarked. If it's not postmarked, then why do we accept it, right? Because now that could indicate that it did not go through the postal service and maybe you jammed it into a ballot box, right? This is the way you ensure that your vote is legit is that it's postmarked. It has a date stamp on it. They're trying to argue that, no, these undated ballots should be accepted. These are mail-in ballots we're talking about. I don't understand how there's any debate on this. Am I alone here? Give me a call. 866-505-4626. It's Open Phone America, the election extravaganza edition. We're live and national for the next hour. I want to hear from you guys straight across America. I am Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come straight ahead. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Jamaica and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Stacking Benjamins with Joe and his good friend OG not only has great financial insight, it's laid back with humor too. The quiet luxury trend is out and loud budgeting is in. Are we tired of the pet names? Yeah, because I'm loud and obnoxious, so this fits right in with me. I'm like, yes, finally budgeting for me. <laughs> I get to walk into a restaurant and go, I'm cheap as hell, and you're not getting a tip. Live from Doug's Budget. <laughs> Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Hi there and good evening. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Some of you know me as your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Others know me from the Jim Bohannon Show. Here I am with you tonight, open phone America on this election night live. I call it the election night extravaganza. And I want to hear from you guys, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. And uh, 
It's been an action-packed show, lots to discuss, so many things uh, going on with uh, this election. And I think most of it on track with what we expected, but uh, still some things up in the air. We've got the Washington State United States Senate race. 57% of the ballots uh, precincts are reporting. And Senator Patty Murray is leading, she's a Democrat, leading Tiffany Smiley, a Republican challenger, uh, 57% to 43%. You also have the California Senate race uh, for the United States Senate, and AP has called it for Democrat Alex Padilla over uh, Mark Muser. And uh, the last count we saw there was 63% to 36% in favor of Democrat uh, Padilla, Senator Padilla. So uh, that's what's going on in those two states, which were uh, ballots, um, excuse me, polls just closed. And of course, uh, I'm saddened to bring you the news that Governor Gavin Newsom has been reelected. Um, I guess he did a great job when he was closing down churches and telling people they could not, the choir members, they could not sing in church because that might spread COVID. <laughs> uh, but it was okay to go to Home Depot. Anyway, that's that stuff. Then there's some headlines. We have some headlines here that I want to get to. Uh, J.D. Vance has won in Ohio. Brian Kemp has won re-election in Georgia and uh, defeated Stacey Abrams again. Now it's unclear whether Abrams will actually uh, admit the defeat and concede the election. She still has not conceded the last election, so I'm not holding my breath because I might turn blue and pass out. But Governor Ron DeSantis, he wins re-election, and he has flipped the deep blue Miami-Dade County and turned it red uh, by a pretty uh, sizable margin. Uh, I think it was 58% of Miami-Dade voted for him and for Rubio and for the Republicans pretty much straight down the line. This is unheard of and hasn't happened in at least in two decades. So that's pretty cool. Sarah Huckabee Sanders wins Arkansas's uh, gubernatorial election, and she'll be the state's first female governor, uh, as well as Kathy Hochul getting elected in New York, becoming the f- state's first elected female governor. Um, the New York Times, this is one I want to get to. We're going to definitely get to this. This is a real hoot, if, I can, if I'm allowed to use that term. Um, the New York Times releases a guide on how to cope with election results. And some of the things that are in this, uh, just to go over it quickly before we get to some of your calls on Open Phone America, the five ways to soothe election stress. Um, I don't know if it's available at the ready or not, but if you happen to have any type of smooth, jazzy music, hit me with it. Bring it whenever you can. I'm just going to read you these five uh, ways to soothe election stress. Listen to this. You've got... Try five-finger breathing. Trace the outside of your hand with your pointer finger. And when you trace up, breathe in. And when you trace down, breathe out. Wow. This is literally the New York Times teaching you how to deal. Now, I don't think they put this when Trump won, right? I don't think I didn't see anything like this. Or when, when, when Biden won, they definitely didn't put anything like that. Next one is cool down. Plunge your face into a bowl of ice water for 15 to 30 seconds. Now imagine that. Imagine you're like, oh my God, I'm stressed about the election. Hold on, get me a bucket of ice water. Let me bury my face in it. The New York Times should really not urge people. There we go. The New York Times should not urge people to drown themselves in ice water. That sounds dangerous. I do not recommend this. Do not try this at home. Then 
We've got move. This is how you soothe your election stress. You have to move. Even, I thought it meant move to like, you know, a, a, a blue state. Maybe walk around a little bit. Walk around the block. Offer some relief. And calm your uneasy mind. Then, step number four. Breathe like a baby. Focus on expanding your belly as you breathe, which can send more oxygen to your brain. And number five, limit your scrolling. Consider plotting out specific times when you will look for election updates. That's right, folks. Those are your five ways to soothe election stress. Brought to you by The New York Times. Unbelievable. Well, thank you. That was a beautiful interlude. And uh, this really, (laughs) I found this to be really funny. I am, for the sake of uh, chuckles and giggles, I am going to retweet this so that you can uh, see this. If you want to check it out, it's at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. I I find this to be very, very funny. Gets three laughing face emojis for me. And the tweet button has been hit. Now, uh, we're going to continue our conversations uh, with everybody across America because there's a lot of election stuff that we still have yet to cover. Uh, There's some audio that I want to get to. There's plenty of things that I want to cover. Senator Marco Rubio, right? He um, recently won re-election by a very sizable margin, uh, more than most expected, at least more than I did. And perhaps I was a victim to the New York Times kind of media. But I want you to hear exactly what he said in his speech tonight. Listen to this. Politics is really not that complicated because Americans are not all that complicated. We're a diverse people, but we're not a complicated people. What Americans basically want is what my parents wanted. It's what all of you wanted. It's what people want all over the world but have been able to fulfill here. They want to be able to have a job that pays a decent wage. They want to be able to live in a home that they own, in a neighborhood that is safe. They want their kids to go to schools that teach truth. They want to be able to retire with dignity, and they want all four of their kids to have a life better than the life they've had. This is not complicated. This is what they want. I think he's on to something. And we have some more Rubio that we'll play uh, shortly. But I do want to invite you to call in. We're going to open up these phone lines. I see a couple of people on hold, and we're going to get to you momentarily. The phone number is 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. This is the election night extravaganza. We are live. We are national. Uh, taking your calls in the next segment and also uh, taking a look at what uh, some of the folks at MSNBC had to say about how voters are citing the economy as their top issue and the fact that those voters that said the economy is my main issue voted for Republicans by a 43% margin. Why on earth, if you're a Democrat, why wouldn't you campaign on the economy? Probably because your president was the one that kind of added to the inflation with the government spending and, you know, all this reckless spending that really put us in a bad spot. But outside of that, you could have turned against them. We've seen that before. People distance themselves from the incumbent. Say, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this guy. No, 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 no. But that didn't happen either. So uh, I'd like your thoughts on that. And I want you to hear this clip of audio when we come back, plus your calls. 866-505-4626. I'm Rich Valdez, and there is more to come straight ahead.
after tonight, the Republican Party will never be the same, and that's a great thing for America and a great thing for Republicans. That's right, Marco Rubio at his victory speech earlier tonight. Uh, CNN is also uh, projecting that Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Labruja Pelosi, as I like to call her, Speaker of the House, that she has been handily reelected. Um, so the question now becomes, if Republicans wrest control away from the Democrats, which is expected, and um, Kevin McCarthy becoming Speaker, Will Nancy Pelosi still want to serve in Congress even though she won't be speaker? Will will she be willing to stick around? Um, will she want to be, you know, the minority leader maybe or some other form of leadership? Or will she just say, you know what, I'm out of here, folks. I was speaker twice. I'm leaving on a high note. I got reelected and now I'm going home. We could only be so lucky if she chose to do that. But we will see what happens. Anyway, let us hit the phones. There's a, a lot I want to discuss and a lot of audio I want to play, but I don't want to not keep my word. So let us do that. Let's see. We've got Missouri, New Jersey, the Philippines, and Arizona. I want to go to right here, Jefferson City, Missouri, KWOS. Let's check in with Bill. Hey, Bill, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Welcome. it's a great evening. Uh, we have a new junior senator in Missouri. He's not in Jefferson City tonight, but he's got a young family, and he's going to join Josh Hawley as the as the junior senator from Missouri. And I just listened to his speech. He's very articulate, very young man with a great family. So I just wanted to report that to you tonight. And uh, uh, what do you think of that? I think it's great. It's fantastic. I, I I don't live in Missouri, so what do you think of it? Well, uh, very, uh, very good speaker. I listened to his speech tonight on our local television station. He's in St. Louis, but he did just such an excellent job of talking about his family and uh, the history of Missouri. He even mentioned Lewis and Clark and uh, uh, the... Uh, the television, I mean, the uh, uh, Hubble, the uh, space telescope guy from was from Missouri. So cool. I just thought he and Mark Twain. So he 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 got it all covered in a really nice speech. So yeah, well, I I like this guy. This is former Attorney General Eric Schmidt. You're talking about, and yeah. he uh, is a, a really sharp guy. He really took the lead in 2020 when the riots were happening all over the country and. Uh, radical organizations were were burning buildings down and, and going into people's homes and terrorizing people. And that one married couple uh, defended themselves in front of their home. Um, he, he took the lead on that, you know, not prosecuting them and really pointing out uh, matters of law, saying, you know, these people had a right to, to protect themselves and uh, and their property. And uh, so good. Good for Eric Schmidt. Um, winning and uh, defeating Trudy Bush Valentine in this um, Senate race. And I appreciate that update, Bill. Another update I want to share with you guys is that there is a neck and neck nail biter of a race going on in Georgia. Now, you've got Herschel Walker, who was right before this commercial break, was up by, I don't know, 800 votes or something like that, or some, you know, ridiculous number. And now, Warnock is ahead by 400 votes 
And this is with, is it 90% reporting? Yeah, around 90% reporting. Uh, this is real nail biter. And I honestly didn't, I, I, I did not see it being this tight. Uh, so, I mean, I always find these types of races exciting. We're on the air for another 38 minutes. So if it gets called in that time, we'll be bringing you that. But I, I just think it's, it's a very exciting time to, um, to, to, to be observing politics. All right, let me check with Mr. Hinton. How am I doing with the clock? Okay, very good. I'm going to 28.50. Okay, very good. Just double-checking. I didn't know if I'd gone to the break or not because I'm looking at so many things. All right, let us continue. And uh, I want to go to New Jersey, Atlantic City, 92.3 WOND. Let's check in with Lou in Mays Landing. Hey, Lou. Yes, uh, Mr. Valdez. Yes, sir. Good evening, sir. Likewise. Uh, You know what? I think that the... uh, administration has got to take a very hard look at the southern border and close it down. There is a lot of illegals that are coming over, and my parents came here uh, uh, legally, but they had to go through a process. This thing that's going on right now in the southern border is a complete joke it it, especially for myself i served a little bit with the army national guard Mm -hmm. being a veteran being born and raised here in this country and i see people coming across the border and they're saying well you know i'm seeking asylum and i'm seeking asylum that's a, a, a complete joke to me and it's a smack in my face as an American citizen that I've got to look at people that are getting handouts and my mother right now is in a nursing home and I am like having to go through hurdles to get her on Medicare and Medicaid. And beyond that, you know, something else, the, the, the administration has got to look beyond like, uh, we're going to shut off all of the fossil fuels. Well, it took over 100 years plus to get us to where we're at. And you're just not going to flip a switch and say, well, it's all going to be over with. And I knew Leon Hess. I delivered crab cakes to the gentleman himself. Leon has mo- gas, uh, sure. gas man. Has gasoline. And I delivered crab cakes to him at Monmouth Park racetrack that he would take to Saudi Arabia on his private plane, you know, to go and deal with the Arabs. Where, now, did you serve that with tartar sauce, or how did you bring the crab cakes? All of the accoutrements that any person could want. Let me tell you, I love a good crab cake. Uh, I don't like them overly breaded, but I, I do like it when they're nice and baked and they're kind of crunchy on the outside, soft and chewy on the outside. I love a good crab cake. Go right ahead. 
they they were baked and fried to uh, perfection. Mm. But anyway, getting back to the point, please. I think that the this whole thing about this climate change, it's all about population. Yeah. Well, and, before we get into every topic, because I think it brought up a lot of good points. You're right. The border's out of control. Uh, I think this is something that Donald Trump ran on and he was successful on. And you're right. It is a joke, uh, but it's it's a bad joke. It's a cruel joke to say we're letting people in that are asylum seekers. This is semantics at its worst. If you're in whatever country you're in and you're fleeing because of the criteria that actually is allowed under asylum, like uh, not just economically disadvantaged, you're not really allowed to say, oh, my gosh, I'm broke in my country. I got to come to your country. It doesn't really work that way. But let's just say you're you're. Um, you know, a Christian and they're persecuting Christians, you know, that would qualify you to leave your country and seek refuge in another country as a refugee seeking asylum. However, it doesn't mean you get to pick the country along the way. It means that as soon as you're out of the danger and you're in a country that'll accept you, you go to that country's, uh, your embassy in that country or that country's embassy um, at their border and say, hey, look, I'm here and I'm seeking asylum, whatever. Instead of saying, no, I'm just going to walk through your country, walk through the next country, walk through Mexico and then walk into Texas. And that, and, and this has always been the issue. And part of what President Trump did was try to institute the TPP or what they called Remain in Mexico uh, policy, uh, where if they did get through from one country to the next through Central and South America, um, the the last stop that they were going to have was Mexico, where Mexico would be sending them back. So Mexico, in effect, became our safety net to protect their own border. And that was being that was working, and it was um, proven to be effective. And the Supreme Court said that Biden didn't have to enforce that policy, but it was a constitutional policy. And if some any president wanted to do it again later, they could. But Biden had the choice to opt out. And and this is why we're in the mess that we're in, uh, at least on that front. So I thank you for your service. God bless you and your family and uh, all of the um, uh, dedication that you've put forward into building the country. And God, you know, we love some good crab cakes. Thank you, Lewis in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Rich Valdez, more to come with your calls and more. We'll be right back. If you didn't figure it out by the clues, uh, the the lovely sound of her voice, that is Governor Kathy Hochul, governor of the state of New York. And um, not to be left far behind, she was the first, she's first woman, obviously, she just pointed that out. Um, I wonder what I'm the first of. Maybe I'm the first uh, um, child of, of Puerto Ricans from Brooklyn that's on syndicated talk radio at nighttime. Is that too long? I don't know. Anyway, let us continue. We have uh, Maura Healy here. Maura Healy made history on election day. Everybody's making history here. Uh, being the first woman to be uh, first woman to be elected governor of Massachusetts and the first openly lesbian governor in U.S. history. And we have some audio from her. Listen to this. I stand before 
before you tonight proud to be the first woman and the first gay person ever elected governor of Massachusetts. So Healy, uh, she she led the first state challenge against the DOMA, the Defense of Marriage Act, which uh, made same-sex marriages illegal, which is then adjudicated by the Supreme Court, making them legal. And um, that is her claim to fame. I don't know how much of that she'll have to govern on in the state of Massachusetts, but I wish them Godspeed with their new governor. And I truly do wish uh, all of God's blessings to everyone in New York with Kathy Hochul. Uh, Because as I was saying earlier, I've never met a soul that was like, man, that Kathy Hochul, boy, is she a great politician. I, I just, I've never heard it from anybody anywhere. She won by default because Cuomo got caught with his hand in the cookie jar and uh, and they did him in. They got rid of him and she ends up where she is and now she gets elected against a wonderful candidate um, instead of a wonderful candidate like Lee Zeldin. Now, I want to get to the calls because we have some of our faithful, loyal listeners that have excellent uh, insight on things. Uh, we've been talking about what's going on in Arizona I'm going to ask the guys to take a look at what's going on in Arizona, and I'm going to take a quick look myself and uh, see what's going on. Let's go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona. Hey, Pat, it's Rich Valdez. What's up, man? Hey, Rich. How you doing? It's a, it's a mixed bag today. I mean, a lot of us really were expecting uh, Carrie Lake to do it, I, and then Maricopa happened, and, I, you know, I've just... <clears throat> I hate to say it, I went and voted in person today, and the people that were running our poll. Now, we're a small city. I mean, we're only 10,700 people. I mean, and they have six or seven different areas for us to vote in. And that's pretty darn good for 10,700 people. And, of course, they're not all, legal, you know, at age, you know, they're children and, and stuff. And uh, people, it's just... Uh, this Maricopa thing, uh, the Republicans were right on top of it. I mean, when this started happening, they put the lawsuits out there and they're making them keep the polls open. But who's going to go to like 11 o'clock at night to the polls? I mean, you really got to, I mean, people got to work. People got to get going. They, they, they made it hard. They told people they had to get, they had to leave or people, they, they told them, you know, that the machines were broken. They were not doing they couldn't, you know, do the the counting and stuff. And a lot of people got... Well, let me just pause right there. Fine. Let me ask you something, Pat. Um, do, do you feel that you're stressed out because of this? No, but I can see a lot happening in the future with Katie Hobbs as governor that's going to be really, really bad for us. Yeah. I mean, she's going to have mandatory... Uh, probably shots again. I mean, the the mandatory vaccinations are going to come back and she's going to close down people to go to church. They'll say you can't congregate more than four people in a room for Thanksgiving. I mean, I can see the heavy handed Democratic hand upon us if we do not correct this. Now, let me just chime back in here and let you know that the the current score, if you will, uh, is a 13-point lead by Katie Hobbs as of seven, eight minutes ago, according to CBS News, 56% Hobbs, 43% Carrie Lake. 
<clears throat> and uh, about 200,000 votes uh, difference or 180,000 votes difference. This is um, tough, but only 52% of the um, ballots being counted so far. So you were saying about Blake Masters. Okay, well, you know, they, they, they sliced and diced him. He didn't say that we were going to ban abortion and the ban abortion nationwide. I mean, do you know, he says it's up to the states to do it. Every state's going to have a referendum. People are going to get the vote on it. That's why the Supreme Court took it out of the federal and put it to every state. And the Democrats have lied. And guess who's helped them? The media. And it's very tough to beat our media in this country. They've mm-hmm. got heavy-handed on the people of this country that just want to watch CNN News all the time or CBNC and believe what they say. And it's it, it just, you know, here goes our freedom, Rich. Here goes our freedom. I mean, thank goodness, Florida. Florida's got it right. Florida's got it right. We, Those people are going to have some freedom. They're going to keep it. But man, they're going to be a lone station. I mean, that, that state could be big. I mean, a lot of people may move there. It is there big. <laughs> yeah, it's a very big they're, state. They're gonna, they're gonna, I'm hoping to move there. The population could explode, Rich. Because a lot of people are going to leave because they're going to say there's no way of fixing it, and they're going to make it hard as ever on us. Uh, I mean, they're going to get they're going to get the IRS agents. They're have, uh, they're armed to come get us. I mean, you could have so many different things happen to us. Now, I was thinking, Mark Kelly, if he became uh, our representative again, he may be able to sway himself away from Biden and become a man of principle and see that our border is killing uh, the people are coming over. These people are coming into our country and killing American citizens. I mean, there was a poor woman who got her head cut off by her husband who who, she was running. She came to our country. She was, uh, she was one of the immigrants and her husband followed her, you know, stalked her, got over the border, got here, cut her head off. I That's mean, crazy. I'm going to pause you right there because I've got to hit this commercial break. But uh, always okay. a pleasure to hear from you, Pat. Thank you for the call. And just to follow up with what you were just talking about with Mark Kelly, he's at 57% in the lead over Blake Masters. That's at 40%, but that's only with half of the precincts being reported or 49% of the precincts being reported. Uh, in other news, the Washington um, State Senate election, United States Senate election, uh, has been called by the Associated Press, and Senator pa- Patty Murray has won uh, that election with 57% reported. Um, interesting. I, I don't know they called them that early, but they did call it with 57 uh, Well, she has 57% with just under a million votes, <clears throat> and, uh, and 57% of the uh, vote reported. So that's how they did it. And um, we will bring you everything that we get as we're getting it because things are starting to trickle in now as we get closer and closer to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. Your calls and more right after this.
All right, so we've got Governor Greg Abbott reelected at 55% to Beto O'Rourke, his challenger, 43%. This O'Rourke, you know, again, my thoughts on him, just to, to give a quick critique, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't know who I am, and if he did, I'm pretty sure he doesn't like me. But uh, my thinking on him is that he... I feel like he's always trying to be over the top, like he's trying to get a million views on YouTube or Instagram or something, or he's just shock value. And and whether it's what he says or what he does, or let me take you to my dentist while they're drilling my teeth, whatever it is, I I think his approach is over the top. It's not working. He's not winning. I don't see anybody going, my God, we love Beto. But again, maybe I don't get out enough, right? What am I going to do? Give us a call, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. Getting to your calls momentarily. But I want you to listen to this clip of audio where the media is frantically saying, oh my gosh, there is going to be violence. There's going to be violence. Here we are. It's almost one o'clock in the morning Eastern time. And no, there was no violence. Listen. When it comes to officials, what are they most worried about when it comes to election security? Uh, violence, you know, and it's so odd to be saying that in this democracy, we've all covered enough elections, but this one is different. Yeah. And it's it's not a presidential election, but it's a midterm election with the prospect of potential violence hanging out there. And so mm-hmm. you have law enforcement they are on pins and needles. They say they're ready. They're monitoring social media. They're looking out for potential domestic violent extremists, the kind of people who sort of look for an excuse to to lash out to cause problems. And so they're paying attention to that. But just the fact that we're talking about this on an election day in this democracy, post January 6th, you have to because of what happened that day. And law enforcement does not want to be caught flat footed this time around. All right, that's Jeff Pegues, uh, P-E-G-U-E-S. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe it's Pegues or Peugeot. Anyway, uh, whatever Jeff's name is, he's a CBS News correspondent on CBS This Morning earlier today saying the midterms could be marred by violence like January 6th. And uh, hat tip to Newsmusters, by the way, who put that clip together. And it's, um, it's just it's interesting to me because, again, Everybody who was watching that this morning, or many people who were watching it, good, honest, trusting uh, people were watching that, probably shaking their head going, I know, it's amazing what's happened to this country. It's so polarized. Everybody's just at each other's throats. Yet, let's just take uh, a notice. There was one incident of somebody at somebody's throat, and it was a Kathy Hochul supporter choking out a Zeldin supporter in New York. But for the most part of the 330 million people in our country, there was no massive violence there was nothing. Nothing happened, right? And I would have suspected it wasn't going to happen to begin with anyway, because oftentimes it's the media that's trying to create this picture that something's happening, that there's all this stuff, and they keep referring to January 6th and making you replay that in your mind because, you know, that that's what this is. There are normal people and then bad, evil, MAGA Republicans that can't be trusted to do absolutely anything. And this is... Um, part of the the big lie, if you will, that the media tells. And this, I think this is why they lose credibility and they lose respect from their audience. But I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Let's go to our man, Gil. What's up, Gil? What's going on? Well, um, I'm still registered to vote in El Paso. Uh, still have my Texas driver's license. 
And um, a few weeks ago was the cutoff time. We got our absentee ballots to the U.S. Embassy. They put mm-hmm. them in a diplomatic pouch, put them on a diplomatic flight, and get them into the uh, U.S. postal system. So I'm pretty sure my ballot will... I don't vote for anybody anymore. I just vote against people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really this definitely seemed like one of those elections opponent. where you vote against... No, I was voting against um, Robert Francis O'Rourke. I, <laughs> we um, have a long history with him and his family. His um, his dad was a friend of mine. Uh, his dad was a Republican. Most people don't know that. He was oh, wow. County politics in El Paso. Yeah. Look yeah, at but, that. Um, Did he have a funny nickname, too? No. He, he, um, well, he was, you know, Irish. Pat, uh O'Rourke. Yeah. Well, I mean, his son has a funny nickname, Beto. He didn't call himself Patricio. (laughs) Right. He didn't call himself Patricio. Everybody gets on him for calling himself Beto. And uh, I I just think it's funny. Then they call him Beta, and I think that's funnier. Oh, boy. So so you got to vote. Even though you're in Manila, Philippines, you were able to vote uh, absentee in Texas. And what are your thoughts on what's going on with the the midterms tonight? Any, Any shockers coming at you, Gil? Um, shockers, I, I mean, I had hopes uh, for some people to win, like in Arizona, that are probably not going to happen. And uh, uh, New York, I I lived a couple of years in Connecticut and worked in New York City in Queens, so I'm pretty mm-hmm. familiar with your part of the world. Th- what did um, you think right of New York the back then? LIE. Yeah. Uh, right off the LIE. At well, I'm saying, what did you think of living in that area? Well, uh, I didn't. I didn't live there. I I lived in Connecticut and commuted when I had to work. But my work spot was <laughs> that was all New York was Queens. good for, right? Work. Well, uh, I I couldn't afford to live in New York now. Like, yeah, well, uh, very I, few I really could, and it's dangerous here. It's it's. Oh, I know. We don't. Uh, um, The, the big thing that I worry about is uh, my 16-year-old stepdaughter. She's getting to be good, very good-looking, so I keep a baseball bat by the door in case the boys show up. You know? Oh, goodness. I That's, know how that uh, goes. Yeah, yeah you have two daughters. You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't about. end. I know. And I, I, even though I, you know, I, I talk about my wonderfully coiffed uh, mane of hair, uh, I, I oftentimes when I'm out with them, people, you know, look at me funny and they're like, you're, these are a little young for you, don't you think? You know, <laughs> they don't think that I'm their dad. <laughs> and and uh, it, it's a little bit offensive, you know, because the, the, you know, it's just offensive. These are not girlfriends of mine. These are my children. And um, yeah, I, I totally get that. I totally get that guilt. That's uh, keep the bat, get two of them, brother. And a can of mace. You can't go wrong with that stuff. Anyway, thank you, Gil. Always a pleasure to hear your voice and to get your insight on things. And uh, we're going to come straight back to you guys and your calls, 866-505-4626, 866-505-4626. I am Rich Valdez. This is the live election night extravaganza, and uh, it's it's been great looking at these results. Uh, many that I thought weren't going to go that way are going that way. I think Tiffany Smiley. Uh, she didn't win. Uh, there was a, there was a few that were really on the fence, 
Um, still looking to, we're going to update what's going on in Georgia when we come back, see if there's any, any movement with Dr. Oz and uh, Lieutenant Governor Fetterman. And uh, I'm going to check on all of them during the break. We'll be right back. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, just a couple of quick updates here. You've got Utah. Utah was won by Republican Mike Lee uh, just moments ago. Washington was won by Patty Murray, which we discussed. North Carolina was won by Republican Ted Budd. That was, uh, he eked that one out because that was a little tough earlier on. Uh, Hawaii was won by Democrat Brian Schatz. Ohio, J.D. Vance is the winner. Oregon, Democrat Ron Wyden won that election. Idaho, Mike Crapo, Republican. New Hampshire was won by Democrat Maggie Hassan. Let's see, uh, Eric Schmidt we talked about. He won in Missouri. Let me see if there were others that I was had that were kind of on the fence. Oklahoma, Connecticut went to Blumenthal. New York went to Schumer. We talked about that earlier. And Pennsylvania, right? So we got Arizona, by the way, is still uh, up in the air there. We've got, let me just hit refresh here to make sure I'm giving you the right information. 56 to 43 um, with um, Carrie Lake trailing behind Katie Hobbs. And there's a check mark and it says gain, NBC News is uh, projecting the Senate race in Pennsylvania for John Fetterman. That's NBC News uh, making that that um, projection there. So um, I think that was all the races that we were looking at. Uh, Tiffany Smiley uh, also did not fare well against Patty Murray. Let us go to Jim in Tyler, Texas. We have just like 45 seconds to go. Yeah, hey, Rich. Uh, you played that clip of the, the morning show guy hyping uh, so-called political violence. And he, uh, yeah. he talked about the police the, the police not wanting to get caught flat-footed. Um, I can guess why. Uh, they heard what Raphael Warnock's wife, ex-wife said. Oh, boy. You know what? Call me back tomorrow on that one because I'd like to go down that road. Folks, I am Rich Valdez. This was the election extravaganza. Join us again tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez. Take care, good night, and God bless. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.